Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Hi everyone, it's Mark Stenson. Our podcast is supported by Design Hill. Design Hill is the world's number one creative marketplace that caters to the creative needs of businesses and individuals alike. You can source high quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. Listen later in the episode for a special offer and a discount code. Today, we're stamping our creative passport in Chicago. We're landing at O'Hare and we're going up the road a little bit to talk to my friend J.D. Gerspein. J.D., welcome to the program. Is this where I say thanks for having me, Mark? This is it right here. You just insert that right there. (laughs) And I have to say that's one of the more creative openings because you really did something with theater of the mind there. I actually got the feeling you were touching down in my hometown. Well, there you go. And if you can imagine standing in line, then uh, then you put yourself at O'Hare. Because that's, that's what we do mainly at O'Hare, isn't it? <laughs> Stand in well, line. that and go through a TSA pre-check if you're lucky. <laughs> there you go. Well, JD is a LinkedIn expert. We're going to talk about that. But he's also an improvisator, improvisational actor. And uh, oh. he, he's got the, he's the host of his own podcast. And I love these, this combination of improv and creativity and LinkedIn, but, and this self-deprecating humor. I mean, the title of JD's program, Say It All. He's had a program called Completely Unprepared. He's had one called The Big Banter. His company is called Owlish Communications. And now your podcast, JD, two deer in a headlights. Uh, I, I've always taken a lighter side look at human communication. I I think that since we've been thrust into this virtual environment, and and really for me, my life changed the moment I sent my first email because I became a good digital citizen back then. And when I bought my first computer and uh, had an America online email address, remember those? Of course you do. Um, I've always kind of been there. I'm hardwired for it. I, I look like I should be that techie guy, but don't let my nerdish good looks fool you. I, I really have my blind spots when it comes to technology, but when it comes to communicating and building relationships, and when I entered the personal brand conversation, my right brain took over, man. And, and that's really where I've been practical enough to impress the business people, but whimsical enough to, to keep my, my head in the game and have some fun. Exactly. Well, you know, when we think about uh, the creative and personal branding, you know, so many listeners of this podcast, and even with my own background in branding, you know, we have a different take when it comes to branding ourselves. So what's been your approach to that? Well, I'm the guy that looks at what other people are doing. And I swim upstream. I, I salmon. I go the opposite direction. I'm really not interested in what other people are doing. And when they claim best practices, best practices are there. We know that they're the ones that achieve the desired results at a greater frequency. 
but I'm a, a maverick individualist. I, I do what's right for me, what's on brand for me. And that comes down to the, the graphics that I use, the font choices I make, uh, how I've positioned my websites. I know that there's a certain format for everything these days. I give people what they need to see, but I do it in a different way. I do it that amuses me. I have a little fun with it, but at the same time, there's nothing that deviates too far out of the ordinary where people don't think I'm, I'm realistic or serious. I take what I do very seriously. I just don't take myself seriously. Mm -hmm. And if, you, <laughs> if that explains it. Uh, totally. And if you unwrap, you know, and look beneath the kind of uh, fun and humor, which I, I also can't help but enjoy. Mm -hmm. But when you look inside this thing and look to the quality of your offering, uh, the expertise you have, for example, in LinkedIn, you know, you were a, er, not only an early adopter, but an early teacher, trainer, example maker of how to do LinkedIn right. Uh, what does that mean to you? Right. It means I had to grow along with the craft. Uh, when I started in 2006 as one of the first independent LinkedIn consultants in the world, it was blue ocean as far as the eye could see. Uh, there were only a few of us in the world who were providing this type of expertise. And was it really expertise? I, I think not. It's just something that we did. It, was a, uh, it wasn't even a cottage industry yet. And a lot of things had to happen for me to have a career. Fortunately, they did, but that didn't mean that I could just put myself on autopilot and go out there and say, hey, here are my core services. I write LinkedIn profiles. I help companies uh, gain traction on LinkedIn. I work with individuals to develop a platform on this thing. A lot of things had to take shape. And, and as someone who's been around the social science and has been a student of neuroscience and psychology, I've just kind of watched the behaviors unfurl and adapted where I needed to, reinvented myself when I had to, but I've always operated within my own authenticity and my own parameters. And I brought more of myself into the, into the art and science of this. And now what I'm seeing, Mark, is that you've got a lot of people who are capitalizing on the gravy train of social networking, who are coming out there as self-declaring LinkedIn experts and thought leaders and, and, and all of these designer titles they give themselves. But plain and simple, my role is to help business people get better acting as a change agent and using LinkedIn as a medium. And a lot of times, you know, again, we think about the creative people, uh, whether mm -hmm. they be independent artists, whether graphic designers, uh, musicians, songwriters that we have on the show. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them would say, is LinkedIn really my platform? You know, it's so businessy. But I think we've had other guests who say, no, for example, music. Music is a business. You need to be where the business sure. is. And LinkedIn is still pretty much that premier platform, isn't it? Yeah, and they've had a trend toward humanization all along. I've watched how this platform has become more humanized. And you hold up a mirror to the business conversation and you'll find it on LinkedIn. And as we sit here and tape this program, we are just emerging out of the COVID cocoon. We're, 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 we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. There's this sense of normalcy returning as we hit summer 2021. But where have we been the last 15 months previously? We have been in the virtual world exclusively, which prompted many people who had postponed their study of LinkedIn or neglected the site altogether to kind of come out and look at this en masse. And use of the site skyrocketed. And we put ourselves out there in ways that we never did before. We let our humanity take over. We let our empathy go on display. We, we were authentic to a fault, but at the same time, uh, 
we, we operated the way that we wanted to operate finally. I think that the, the pandemic gave people a lot of freedoms they never experienced before on social networks. And that was our only outlet. So we had to tailor it to meet our needs. And that's where I think the next great trend in is on all this, Mark, is that we're starting to assert our will on the system. We're starting to use these platforms as they serve us and not because some expert said, this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. and, and I couldn't help but think about uh, the authenticity, I guess, fine line mm -hmm. uh, that some people debate, you know, uh, oh, don't let LinkedIn turn into Facebook. You know, this uh -huh. is not a place for that, whatever that right. is. And yet, <laughs> and yet you say we brought humanity to it. Where, where do you find that line? I think there's a a delineation between how willing we are to put ourselves out there for business people. And LinkedIn is unique. It, it's the most enigmatic of all the platforms because it, it deals with the business conversation, uh, which we don't see in the animal kingdom. Uh, animals don't have conversations on, on closing or prospecting or converting or funnels or pipelines. I, I mean, we're humans and that's how we need to use a site like LinkedIn to win business or advance our careers. And they're just certain conventions and formalities that are out there on LinkedIn. So human courtesy is essential. Treating people with dignity and respect is essential. But through that, it's also okay to build a little humor into it and not take yourself so seriously. Uh, but at the same time, not show that kind of vulnerability where you erode your leadership qualities or your ability to get it done. You still have to look the part and walk the talk, but at the same time, forgive the system and understand that you're operating on a certain level with the people who eventually will retain you for work. So that's a, a certain discourse, a certain dialogue, a certain convention, if you will. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back with our interview here on Unlocking Your World of Creativity. But first, a reminder of the discount that I promised you at the beginning of the show from Design Hill. You can get an exclusive 25% off of Design Hill's Logo Maker service. Just use the code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. And now back to our interview. And JD, I think about some of the listeners who say, you know, uh, give me some counsel. I'm an actor. I'm a writer, uh, you know, an author, publisher of books. I, I may not be what you think of as the mainstream business person. How, mm -hmm. how can these creative types use LinkedIn better? Well, creatives still have bank accounts and they are still around transactions. And if there's a transaction dynamic, it takes place on LinkedIn whether it's in the B2B or the B2C world. And creatives can package themselves the way that they would package their clients, the way that they would put themselves out there to an agent or a decision maker out there in the entertainment or media world, uh, whether it's artists, uh, graphic artists, or uh, even architects. I mean, architects are uh, probably some of the most creative and inventive people in business. Uh, design thinking, Human-centered design thinking is in vogue right now. I'm involved in that. That's how I look at my subjects when I work with them on LinkedIn. So in essence, we're curating the exhibit on ourselves. And that does require creativity. And that does require going beyond what, what people do to just be safe on a site like LinkedIn and really put themselves out there as that logical choice for the work. 
Um, creatives vie for business much in the same way that any salesperson would. We're all in sales. Uh, so uh, creatives who do have a business sense or, or even if they're lacking a business sense, understand that they need to have a presence on LinkedIn just because that's where the natural knee-jerk reflex is to learn about people as business professionals. Mm -hmm. And like you say, when there's a transaction conversation, it's on LinkedIn, isn't it? Now, also, LinkedIn, yes. if you, and if you lift the hood up a little bit on the on the app, if I can call it that, the platform, mm -hmm. there are ways to feature your portfolio. There's ways to feature your work, maybe in surprising ways that we don't all know about. LinkedIn has become a stunningly vibrant and visual medium, and it supports video. It supports graphics. It supports powerful retina popping images, and artists should definitely leverage the display properties of LinkedIn because again, I like to use the term curating the exhibit on yourself. People aren't going to spend a lot of time on your LinkedIn profile page unless you give them something that compels them and makes them want to stay on the page, scroll down to the belly of the document and investigate you further. So good. Well, let's add to this conversation uh, your own creative stimulation and background and training in improv that really, I guess, you also leveraged into speaking and your media appearances and TEDx talks and so forth. What, what was it about improv training that gave you a communications you know, springboard? Well, back in the 1980s, before it was cool to say that you were taking improv classes, <laughs> I was taking improv classes. And, and the classes were nothing like they are today, Mark. Uh, I, I live here in the, in the great city of Chicago. And the second city, which is really the namesake of improvisational comedy, was, was a very uh, well-respected piece of the entertainment community. And I, I went back to really up-level my stagecraft. And I sought out a one-on-one -on -one coach and just wanted to shape perceptions of me on stage. I wanted to be better. I, I'm, I'm a student of, of professional speaking and I was doing a lot of it at the time. I, I, I was a man in motion, staying in motion. And as I was down there and started to kind of intersect with the comedy community, I, I really enjoyed it. And I was imbued with this sense of how can I bring what I'm learning at the Second City into what I'm doing in my practice. And I wasn't going towards conservatory. I wasn't gonna audition for Saturday Night Live. I was just doing this to just get better as a communicator. And the coach that I was working with said, well, JD, I've seen your work. Why don't you go enroll for some classes? I, I think you could learn a lot. And, and she was right. And I got back into long form and short form improv and media and film production, studied a little bit of that and comedy sketch writing. And I just integrated what worked. I discarded the rest. And as I went along, the more I did the work, Mark, the more I saw where, where the strategic aspects of what I was doing were leaving off at some point. That you could follow a primer or a video tutorial or an instruction handbook for only so long. Eventually, you would have to improvise. <laughs> you would have to conjure something. You would have to make something happen literally out of thin air, because that's where the wins in business and in our careers occur. They occur as to how we manipulate our environment, how we adjust our conversation, and how we uh, convert our conversation dynamic into something that's usable that we, can, uh, that we can build on. And that's when it really clicked, when the light bulb went on and said, 
I need to start applying some of the techniques I'm learning to the online communication world, because that's where the rubber meets the road for my clients and for many colleagues who are just trying to develop the relationships to propel their careers forward. And that's what I'm exploring now. I'm really working at the convergence of LinkedIn, personal branding and applied improvisation, which incorporates the creativity, the neuroscience. I'm, I'm very interested in how the brain interprets raw data on an internet page and makes some kind of, of use of it. Uh, and of course, the psychology. Uh, these are all factors in my platform and I believe give me a competitive edge against anybody else doing the work because I'm exploring this literally from the deepest emotional and intellectual centers of the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's an intersection or convergence, you know, of, mm -hmm. of topics you don't often hear this idea that there's, you know, applied improvisation, there's also personal branding, and then this LinkedIn skill technique, you know, platform. Sure. It's an interesting convergence. I believe that applied improv techniques, uh, I, I know they are starting to, but they should be incorporated in any classical sales training moving forward because the skills I learned as an improviser and a performing artist are, are literally orchestrations of what goes on in a typical sales dialogue. They truly are. It's about, again, being present in the moment, listening, extending conversations, and maybe seriously killing conversations when there's when there's no way of advancing them <laughs> yeah. you got to know when to stop the improv as well yes and what about you know some people talk about the collaboration aspect of improv especially you know you're describing sketch comedy where, right. where you're literally the trust you mentioned vulnerability before there's a certain falling you know metaphorically anyway in somebody else's arms to to play the scene have you found that to be the case I have. And when you're improvising with one or a group of people, you have to respect your scene partners. And I look at every encounter I do online as a scene. And I'm, I'm always letting my scene partners shine. And it's, it's not about de delivering the funniest line and getting the biggest laugh in improv. And I think that's a misnomer about the craft. But it's about truly letting people know you're engaged and you're looking to drive this scene forward in some way. Forward momentum in conversation is really the key. And I think we've kind of uh, seen how awkward online conversations can be at times, especially through, through Zoom. And anybody who's watching this has ideally been on Zoom and, and how these skills, these communication skills we have translate in, uh, in front of a webcam. So obviously the ability to co-create with someone and bring an idea forward out of nothing again, a, a germ of an idea, of a seed, of a concept. This is fascinating to me because that's how subtle innocuous encounters turn into long-term sustainable and profitable business relationships. Mm, so good. Well, let's talk about your latest creative expression and uh, using all those vectors and applying them in your latest okay. podcast, Two Deer in the Headlights. Greatest title ever when you think about the visualization <laughs> of, oh my gosh, what is happening? I am frozen in this moment. But Absolutely. What, what is the direction of the podcast? Well, my co-host, Sia Yasatornrat is a podcaster extraordinaire. She's a podcast producer. She's out in Dallas, Texas. And uh, again, it's all pandemic driven folks. I mean, show up, step up, follow up in your Zooms because you never know you're gonna meet the right people when the time is right. And, and I certainly did with Sia. 
And we've had a lot of fun developing our on-air chemistry. And I'm fascinated by the, the idiom. It's a popular idiom that probably took root somewhere in the 1980s about being panicked or frozen. It's, it's really just a, a, a cool, sexy title to draw people in. And uh, look, we all have those deer in the headlights moment. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you think you have everything down pat and sturdy and at the ready, but then you're tested in some way and you got to think and you got to act and you got to do something and it's it's got to work and you only have a limited amount of time because damn it those headlights are approaching in the distance and they'll be on you in a hurry so it's it's move get off the road or become roadkill and be one big splat and they'll be lifting you off the concrete with a spatula <laughs> so i think that we can all equate some of those business moments we've had to deer in the headlights moments and yeah. i just think it's a fun title not everything we say is going to be relative to a deer in the headlights moment, but uh, C and I, again, we're early enough into the podcast where we're developing our chemistry. We're getting our conversations. We're going to eventually include guests, but we're also doing something a little differently because this is what I do. And that is trying to be something that's, that's not so pinpointed to value, but when people hear Sia and I communicate and exchange ideas that they hear a little bit of themselves in it. And we're not trying to move the needle for any entrepreneur trying to build a business out of his or her garage and into nine and uh, nine figure territory and, and exit uh, as a multi-generationally wealthy entrepreneur. But, but really it's about being entertained, uh, being educated, edutainment, as they say, I've cultivated that persona of an edutainer and just kind of hearing how we do it and seeing and let, letting people see themselves in our conversation because we've all had those deer in the headlights moments. We, we're all fallible. Uh, we're all capable of incredible value delivery. And we're, we're all, we all keep our mouths shut sometimes and don't say what we should say. So I think there's something there for everybody in our podcast and we'll see what happens. I love it. Well, it's certainly uh, something listeners to go to, two deer in the headlights. And JD, as long as we're here, let's remind people how to connect with you and learn more about your work. I'm totally connectable, Mark. Uh, you can search for me under LinkedIn under the name JD, no periods, Gershbein. I think that's pretty obvious. I live on LinkedIn. That's my sandbox of choice. And I try to get as many of the cool toys as possible in that sandbox. I'm available on all channels. Uh, you can certainly find me, uh, access me through my websites, jdgershbein.com. And I run a company here in Chicago called Owlish Communications. Uh, I've had the company really since the mid 1980s, but since 2006, I focused on uh, LinkedIn branding and advisory services for professionals. So I'm out there. I'm, I'm not hard to find. I don't know. It is cliche to say you could find your own LinkedIn. That was that was a gimme, wasn't it? <laughs> that was, but the, the other piece is that I don't have a VA. I don't have a team. Somebody calls my phone, I answer it. Love that. We'll be right back with our interview here on Unlocking Your World of Creativity. But first, a reminder of the discount that I promised you at the beginning of the show from Design Hill. You can get an exclusive 25% off of Design Hill's Logo Maker service. Just use the code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. And now back to our interview. So you were talking about chemistry with your co-host, Sia. And I was interested in the 
traits of that chemistry? How do, how do you know chemistry is being built? Because I think this has relevance to almost any communications, but especially as we talk about media communications or Zoom meetings or any other kind of connection. How do you take the temperature of that chemistry? Great question. Uh, I met Sia online. Um, we were both on screen at a networking event. And when she unmuted and started to speak, I'm drawn to really cool voices. I, I love her voice. And the first thing I heard was not only these great pipes, but how she was organizing her thoughts and putting it out there and what she said. And I thought to myself, wow, I'd love her to be my voiceover, my narrator for my podcast. I, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking co-host, but as we got to know each other and had repeated exposure with each other and she wasn't short on saying cool things. I mean, everything she said was like we were, we were just expanding on each other's thoughts in, in true improvisational fashion. And I approached her with the idea of co-hosting a podcast. And thankfully, uh, I twisted her arm tight enough and she said yes. And we actually scheduled some time just to kind of air it out and go free flight on Zoom and develop that chemistry, that conversational cadence that we believe that our, our listeners will enjoy because we try not to talk over each other, which is very important when you're co-hosting. We tried to find that kind of rhythm where I can almost anticipate what she's going to say. Uh, some of her little Sia-isms are starting to come out and she's responding to my JD-isms. We're also of different um, demographics. Uh, we're, we're different cohorts. So I'm a card-carrying baby boomer although I don't look it. <laughs> and, and she's a, a, a Gen X millennial type, uh, younger, uh, hip, uh, appealing to the younger folks. And boy, I'll tell you, in my battle to stay relevant, I can use all the young demographics I can get, Mark. So um, it, it just works. It, <laughs> it really works. And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason for why it works. I'm just glad it does. Well, exactly. And as you think forward towards uh, some of the guests that you might welcome to the program, what kinds of people do you have in mind? Who, what conversations do you want to have? Are you auditioning for a, a guest no. in our <laughs> podcast, Mark? Are check, you sucking up to me now, sir? Check. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because so many podcasts are are launched with the idea of becoming long-term successes and unfortunately don't get past a half a dozen episodes. Obviously we're trying to, to do this one step at a time. As, as we sit here and tape, we have, we have two episodes, we've soft launched, we're gonna do a full scale launch. C has got us set up on multiple platforms. So we're just building. It's, it's gonna be a slow build, I realize it. I mean, come on, people are, people are so self-absorbed these days, Mark. It's, it's asking a lot to take a half hour out of your day unless you're doing something else and you can multitask with the headphones on to listen to a podcast in full. So it's gotta be compelling and it's gotta be fun. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, we do want to eventually open this up to guests who yes, are compelling, we want them to be good on air. That's, I think for me, that's, that's the key. I, I know you've tuned into podcasts and mm -hmm. you see people basically interviewing their friends and it's, it just doesn't flow or it just seems to be very formulaic. I want to have fun with people and I'm asking them to be good sports and go deep and have fun. And if we get into their childhood, I want them to really bring out what's relevant to the conversation. I, I will never compromise my guests and ask them to reveal anything they don't want to reveal. 
But at the same time, since we're in this kind of authenticity state and people are becoming storytellers, I'm looking for people who are good stewards of their story and who understand that it, it wasn't a perfect road getting where they got, that there mm-hmm. were setbacks, that there were difficulties, there were challenges, uh, and there were dark moments and inflection points in their lives that turn the tide for them. And, and that makes us the people we are today. I've had them too. And I started to share them as podcast guests. And I think that's what people want. I think they want the real deal out of people right now. Mm-hmm. And I guess that almost brings us full circle to you know, this idea of like deer in the headlights and completely unprepared. And these sort mm-hmm. of, again, self-deprecating descriptions that mm-hmm. uh, it's like we, we seem extroverted because we like to be behind a microphone. But is there really something more underneath the individual that maybe the LinkedIn profile or the podcast profile doesn't really reveal? Well, the great writer Ernest Hemingway elucidated the iceberg theory, and he felt that good writing should be uh, very implicit and that the writer shouldn't have to use as many words. And the economy of, of words was important to let the reader see what was, what was taking shape in the mind. And for me, I subscribe to iceberg theory in the work I do. When you put yourself out there on a LinkedIn profile, most folks these days in a, in a social media type of, of environment are really hesitant and keep a lot of that information guarded and close to the vest and below the waterline, if you will, of the iceberg. So that what juts up over the waterline, what people see is not really what people know. Mm-hmm. And we all have those stories and we've all waged our battles and we've all fought the good fight to get where we are and we're still fighting it. But it's what we let people see, Mark, that matters. And more and more, I've noticed, and the work I do with my clients, I'm nudging them to get just a little bit more of themselves over that waterline so people can see who they are, so that they can be taken at face value, uh, so, so that they operate at an advantage and that advantages of being human. Mm-hmm. And does that hiding the iceberg below the line or putting up this creative armor, you know, is that, is that an ego? Is that a fear? Well, what do you think keeps us from being more revealing? Boy, look at how many programs are dealing with imposter syndrome these days. Mm-hmm. I, I think imposter syndrome behaviors uh, have kind of permeated the lexicon and, and permeated the content out there. I think, are people afraid of being discovered? Uh, Well, they shouldn't be unless they truly are putting themselves out there as frauds. But for the most part, people want to build careers. They want to build sustainable businesses on LinkedIn. And they want to be known as that thought leader, that trusted advisor, that innovator, that solutionist, and that high impact corporate contributor. And if anything, they're putting more of themselves uh, uh, over that waterline to uh, to enhance themselves, to, to show uh, that they do possess these skill sets or these areas of expertise. And that's where I work with them because they do need to manage their expectations on a site like LinkedIn and make themselves researchable and consumable in a way that's believable. Mm-hmm. And what's an example of something that you would say, hey, you have a LinkedIn profile, it's out there, fine, good. Mm-hmm. But uh, to be more what revealing to be a little more exposing of your feelings, your past, your uh, challenges, you know, and all the things that you've described, where and how do you think that that should fit into your LinkedIn profile 
That comes through content, actually, Mark. Yeah. And that comes through how we express ourselves in the interactive space, which is wide and vast. Uh, the, the profile, you can say anything you want to in your profile, as long as you can live up to it in the real world. But when it comes to marketing content and gaining clarity on your message and doing things that get noticed out there on LinkedIn and drawing attention to yourself in a positive way, artful self-promotion. Uh, we, we know that self-promotion is rampant on LinkedIn and the site is certainly set up for it and, and that's fine. But there, in my opinion, there, there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. But it's the content and how we parse out our value that really enables us to get into the minds of other folks and eventually reside within them where they know who we are, where we're a recognizable brand. Uh, multiple visits to a profile can certainly help because the more we learn about the professionals we want to serve, uh, the more capable we are, I believe, the more customized our solutions can be. But at the same time on LinkedIn, it's a free for all with so much happening and people aren't going to pay you the, the kind of time uh, on a profile page that you, you would like them to. They're in it for the, the quick surgical strike uh, to pick up as much information as they can about you. And if they see something that interests them, ideally they will click on it. Uh, but right now the war uh, for minds and eyes is real and people are fighting it every day through content. Mm -hmm. And I love that combination. I'll underscore what you said, artful self-promotion, mm -hmm. because I, I think if we're reticent to be that self-promoter, I get it. But to be artful about it should suit the, our creative mindset, shouldn't it? I think so. And for creatives out there who want to really attract attention to themselves positively, you do that through compelling graphics, through powerful featured images, things that speak to people, things that resonate with people. Boy, resonate is a great word. Say it with me, Mark. Resonate. resonate. It's a great word. And it's a powerful word. And there's so much emphasis on creating value. And I'm using the finger quotes on that. Creating value. I mean, value is, value is neither created or destroyed. It's in the eye of the, of the beholder, really. It, it's, it's there to, to, to be taken uh, in any way possible. But what we put out there to show our expertise, to, uh, to articulate our value proposition, things like this, things that have been said by LinkedIn strategists now since the, the, the industry has, been, uh, has been become so developed, um, I'm in the same boat. I'm always looking for ways to creatively get myself out there, uh, to be noticed, to be found, um, to build relationships in a positive way. And that's all creativity. That's all improvised. Strategy and tactics will only take you so far on LinkedIn, as I've said. Uh, at some point, you are going to be forced to create your own outcomes. Mm -hmm. And bring that value. Love that so much. Well, folks, my guest has been J.D. Gershbein. J.D., what a great conversation. You've given us so much of your practical experience. A, a lot of people have beliefs and philosophies, but I, I have a sense that you've applied these in so many ways, and we just appreciate you sharing it with us. Are we done? We are so done. <laughs> I have hours more stuff to go through. Well, you. then we'll have to connect with you on LinkedIn and watch your hours of podcasting. All right. <laughs> Mark, thanks for having me. You know, I, you're a, again, you're also a byproduct of, 
of agile and nimble networking. Uh, you were a strong introduction to me from a mutual friend, and uh, I'm delighted uh, that I could spend some time with you chatting. I, as, as you can tell, I, I never met a microphone I didn't like. Exactly. And when I'm in front of someone like you who knows how to bring story out of people, it really flows well. I can't wait to listen to this because basically I forgot everything I said. Yeah. Um, I, I improvised the whole damn we've thing. We've been too busy talking to write it all down. That's right. So hey, go back and listen. Improv is hard work, folks. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks again to J.D. Gerspein for being my guest. He's the host of Two Deer in the Headlights. He's got a great LinkedIn profile that uh, takes you to all sorts of content, videos, programs, and tips on how to improve your LinkedIn profile. Thanks again, J.D., for being on the program. You rock, Mark. And listeners, let's continue this around the world trip. Lately, we've been to Sweden. We've been to Germany. Uh, we're moving on from here to Nashville, to LA. We'll be talking with writers, filmmakers, musicians, even people in the culinary arts and hospitality, all about how they apply their creativity and how they launch their creative work up and out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Thanks again to our sponsor, Design Hill, the world's number one creative marketplace for business and individuals, where you can access high quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. You can get 25% off of Design Hill's logo maker service. Just use the discount code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.